Retro Hangover supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We'd especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Stutzel Smash the Milkman, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Liguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, The Backlog, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Keith Gasper, Discimera, GC Freak 898 The Saturnian, Dave Jackson, Eric Yes and Rick Firestone. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover. where we collect crystals correctly curtailing contextual cunnilingus. This is Retro Hangover. I am your co-host, Chris Copeland, with Editor Supreme, Ashton Ruby. And, as always, your host, Shane. Charging Crystal Dick Dragon Koski! See, now I want to know what non-contextual cunnilingus is. Like, what what does that mean? Why are you asking me? I, you fucking wrote it. I don't know. You have to put it in context, Shane. <laughs> what context? You know. Ah. You know what I mean. The, right. The, the, the context. You know, like, did you perform cunnilingus? Well, what is the definition of perform? I, I need some... I mean, sometimes if you never find the right spot, I, I'm not I'm not going to go into this. Shane. You got to understand. <laughs> this the sounds context. like some Bill Clinton on the stand ass kind of shit right now. It's like I did not like define define sex. I did well, not inhale I, that woman. I don't I don't think that's how I, that went, but I don't think you inhale. <laughs> <laughs> if I was a better cunning linguist, I would be able to explain contextual cunning cunnilingus. All right, fine. Uh, this is off to a great start. It always is. Welcome, everybody, to the Retro Hangover podcast, where we review cunnilingus in video games. Oh, God. No, we don't. That, yeah, no, that's 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 paid content. <laughs> Here's another flight topic. There you go. Oh, God. Stop giving them ideas. <laughs> I can only hold back the lewd for so long, Chris. <laughs> Open the gates. <laughs> Open the gates. Oh, welcome to our podcast. We are going to review Chrysalis today. We're going to take a look back at that game, an action RPG for the Nintendo Entertainment System, and we're going to let you know whether or not it holds up today. And we are joined by our editor supreme today, as I mentioned in the intro, Ashton Ruby. Ashton, how are you doing, my friend? Hello, hello. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. This is uh, my favorite podcast talking about one of my favorite games. That's awesome. Thank you so much. No bias. Yeah, you're you're our favorite editor. That's true. Also, editor Supreme just sounds like he's like an item on the Taco Bell menu. Well, I mean, hopefully he doesn't give everyone gas. Hopefully he's one of the one of the uh, the better items. I am crunch wrapped. Which one? 
Which one? Taco Bell makes their stuff from like the same five things. <laughs> All of them. Everything. Even even the drinks. It's just You're- meat slushies. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Your hate for Taco Bell. I'm sorry, I'm pouring a drink right now. I I oh no, for the record, I love Taco Bell, actually. Yes, I it's just fantastic. I just know what they are. Like I know what I'm getting yeah. myself into. Do you really? I, I listen, I feel like I've experienced it enough times in my life. It's like it's ignorance is bliss. You don't really know what's in the taco. You just know it tastes good. That's right. As long as it's edible. And contextual. <laughs> and contextual. <laughs> See, that's the context. You might be performing cum- cunnilingus on a dead cow when you eat Taco Bell. What? I mean, what? <laughs> good Lord. Contextual. Cowalingus. Cowalingus. Oh, wow. <laughs> there it is. Ah. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> I guess we better move on. I'm already on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> uh, we are we are adults with jobs and families and responsibilities. And here we are. So I guess we better be talking about uh, the games we've been playing lately before we get too much more sexual exploits of what's in your burrito wrap. Before we do that, we, we, we are going to put out, much like we did in the last flight, that the King of Games 1992 is coming to a Patreon feed near you on December 1st of this year, 30 years after 1992. So I think it's quite fitting. So if you're a Patreon at any level, you're going to be getting these episodes way early than when they're going to be debuting on our main feed. And this this year is a special one. This is the third iteration overall of the series we have a lot of different content creators a lot of different podcasters that are showing up to participate in this and and help out and give their opinions and and just move games through a tournament and it's going to be extra special i had a great time with it so hopefully you will have a great time listening to it one of those people on there is ashton as well so we're happy to have him on there to to pitch this for the second week in a row so i i think you're all going to enjoy it but you can get access to that early if you go to our Patreon by going to the link tree, linktr.ee slash retro hangover for as little as $1 a month. You can listen to the King of Games 1992 early. So hope to see you there and hope to hear what you think of some of our decisions. I think you will find them interesting, to say the least. That is that is one way to put it. Yes. Yes. The salt must flow. But m- moving on. And I, I didn't want to elaborate the moo there uh, talking about earlier. Uh, I'm we're only get to, to make that joke about, once. I know I didn't want to. That's I, it. I know it's terrible. <laughs> I'm awful. Okay. We're going to be talking about what games we've been playing lately. So I'm going to start out with you, Ashton, as our most venerable guest. What games have you been playing lately? So I have been playing quite a bit of my time in Sandrock. Hmm. Uh, this is uh, somewhat of a, I don't even know what you call them anymore. The genre is so blended at this point. It's a bit in the vein of a farming sim, but it's more focused on building and crafting stuff. So you, and this is um, actually the second game from this developer. Uh, they had created My Time in Porsche four or five years ago, and that was their first game. And it was a little rough when it first came out, especially on early access. Um, but they worked on it really hard. They got a lot of feedback, uh, listened to a lot of it, and it's a pretty fun game. And so this is now their second iteration, uh, and it feels a lot more like a finished video game, uh, mm. <laughs> which is sometimes, you know, high praise, because uh, <laughs> it is actually still in early access. I've been trying to 
do less of that stuff. Like I love in indie games and supporting development, uh, but I just get kind of, you know, stuck in buying half a game, playing it, forgetting what I was doing when it finally releases. Anyway, been doing that. It's uh, it's pretty fun. There's lots to do, even in early access. Everything's pretty flushed out. The script and voice acting is actually surprisingly good. Uh, it was pretty bad in the first game, but <laughs> well, not bad. It just was a little rough and uh, there was localization issues probably. But it's pretty fun for an indie game if you're into those kind of uh, 12, 18 hours in a virtual day to make some money and make friends and build a house and pets and all that. You can make friends. I, I don't know what that's like, but that sounds interesting. That's why it's a fantasy game, Chris. It's a video oh, game. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's about it, really. Oh, good deal. I, I need to get back to some farming sims, but then I realize that they take all my life away and it doesn't become 12 to 18 virtual hours, it becomes 12 to 18 real hours. <laughs> and uh, then I really don't know what I accomplished in my life, but I know I had fun doing it. So that's what we're here for. Yeah, exactly. I have to take a look at it. How about you, Shane? Oh, let's see. What what have I been doing? Less Fallout 76, but really not by hooray. choice. Don't hooray. Fuck off. <laughs> it's an okay <laughs> game. But no, less less than I would like. Uh, but that's just because of life. Um, we've been out of town for work stuff for the better part of a week recently. And so I wasn't really doing much gaming at all. Um, other than just some stuff like on my phone or whatever. Sitting at the airport. I mean, also, to be fair, I was playing my Steam Deck and playing our game du jour while I was on the plane. So there's that another shameless plug for the Steam Deck. because That thing's fantastic. Besides that, uh, you know, well, I got a little lost in vivo. I was playing that on stream recently. That is a that is a solid horror game so far. I, I've actually been pretty impressed. It's right in the vein of, you know, the Silent Hill series. So, of course, it's right up my alley. Um, at the time of this recording, I have yet to finish the playthrough, but Next time I am on our stream Sunday, I will be wrapping that up, I think, because there's probably about two hours left of content in it, as far as I'm told. So there's that. Other than that, it's really been a lot of like twin stick shootery kind of stuff, actually. Playing some more Her Name Was Fire. That one's that one's pretty good. It's very it's much more actual twin stick shooter than Vampire Survivors. Uh, which consequently is the other game I'm also been playing now that it's version 1.0 and officially released and all that fun stuff. They did release a small Halloween update for Her Name Was Fire. They added some Halloween themed cards to kind of toss into the mix for your random level ups, which is kind of cool. But uh, I'm I'm excited to see where that game goes, because I think they have some room to expand and I, I hope that they do. I hope they add some more content and some new maybe gameplay modes or something, because I think the core of it's pretty good. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's honestly kind of it for me. Um, hasn't been a whole lot lately. Like I said, life's been getting in the way. But uh, what about you, Chris? What have you been knocking out recently? You usually have a good list of things that you're just kind of just kind of grinding through. I'm competing with the friends of, of the Discord, and I, I can't keep up because one of them completes like three games a day, and I don't know what's going on. So but I have played some games. Just to just for the record, obviously. Mm. So I played some X-Men versus Street Fighter again in in preparation for Retro Wars, which I guessed it on. I don't know when that episode's coming up. You should go check them out anyway. They're they're a good show with uh, Danny, uh, honest Pokemon trainer on YouTube. He doesn't do YouTube much very much anymore, but his podcast is a good one. And you should go take a look at it. I also played some Marvel superheroes versus Street Fighter. Of course, just followed up because I had that itch and it 
it's still not as good as X-Men versus Street Fighter. Played some Groove on Fight for the Saturn. I didn't care for it much. So I do want to talk about the game. I did play to completion, put a little bit of time into, and it does kind of advertise something we have going on in our Discord community, which is Demon's Crest. And uh, I played it because it's part of our, we have this like book club that we do for the month. And we did it for October and uh, we pick a game that we play and everyone talks about it and what we liked about it and what we didn't. And I played Demon's Crest just to kind of sum it up here. It's, it's you know, those games that like everyone tells you is like really good and like, oh, you got to check it out. It's a hidden gem. Mm. You got to look at it. It's so great. And so I played it. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's OK. And what I found with Demon's Crest, if any of you listeners have have played it, I know it's one of those more obscure games that you do hear is really good, but like no one has played it <laughs> is that it's, it's trapped in between Mega Man and Metroidvania feels like it's trying to be a little bit of both and it doesn't really succeed at, at either, but it's not like a terrible effort either. It's, it's just a really weird experience. It's, it seems like it's better than it has any right to be, but at the same time, Time feels like it's undelivering, if that makes sense. Uh, I, I don't really know how to describe it. Overall, like I would say, like give it a shot. But if you have that and you have Mega Man X, there's no reason to play Demon's Crest. And that's that's what I'll say on that. I've also started up Final Fantasy VIII, which I don't know how to feel about yet. The whole entire concept of child soldiers is just kind of not sitting well with me <laughs> as, as well as it did when I was 15. And I'll get to that when I make a rapid fire review. But like, I'm just looking, oh, I'm looking at like, hey, here's a bunch of like 19 year olds. We're going to go send them off to war. And isn't it cool? I'm like, no, no, I don't like this. But those are the games I've been playing and I've been having a good time. I, I, I feel like I'm getting some more good games and I'm I'm having fun with that. I've had quite a few games I've not been too terribly happy about, but I'm starting to pick up and getting some steam and and some games I can. I could talk about fondly. So there's that. Yeah, it sounds like Demon's Crest is just very middle of the road is what that sounds like to me. <sighs> yeah, but the minute you think it is, it does. It has some gameplay segments where it's better than that. Mm. And then when you get excited and you're like, oh, I can't wait to play this some more. Like, I, I am going to have a great experience. It disappoints you again. <laughs> so it's a weird game. And uh, I, I don't know why it has the credit does, mm. but it has it. So <laughs> there is that. All right. Well, I suppose, even though I think both Chris and I, for some reason, wanted to just jump directly into it. I think we were thrown off by our <laughs> intro discussion. We were just like, let's just, fu- let's just fucking talk about the game. But all right, we're here now. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Chris, hmm. would you like... To give the fine people listening at home or, you know, maybe in your car or maybe in someone else's home and they don't know it yet. Um, don't do that. Maybe their home is their car <laughs> or maybe their car. <laughs> Who knows? You're in the back seat right now. And I bet you want to hear a brief history of Crystallis. That for a game that's considered to be one of the best action RPGs on the NES made by a somewhat well-known developer, that there'd be some interesting history that would be easy to find on the internet through research. At least enough for a brief history segment such as ours. Apparently, if you thought that, you'd be wrong. So here goes what I can give you. 
1990, SNK, who at this point was probably known better for their arcade games like Ikari Warriors, that was also on the NES, and not the Neo Geo that we all associate them with today, decided they want to make a console exclusive action RPG in the same nature as Zelda and Ys. They settled on the NES as most sane Japanese companies in 1990 would, and featured a game taking place in a post-apocalyptic world 100 years after the end day of October 1st, 1997. The game would be called God Slayer, Sonata of the Distant Heavens, which we guess is appropriate considering the genre, and at least gets the trope out of the way at the start. This title would obviously not fly with Nintendo of America during this point in history, so to ease the concern of the satanic panic of evangelical parents everywhere, it would be renamed Crystallis when released in the West. Japan would see it released on April 13, 1990, with North America receiving its release in July, and Europe never getting it because, ah. part, the game was initially received as an above-average to very good game, but most of its reputation would be gained decades after its release. A decently selling game, enough to keep the price low in collector circles, the game would also see a remake of sorts on the Game Boy Color in 2000. The game continues to see release on SNK compilation collections and, more relevantly, as part of the Nintendo Switch Online NES series. And that is your brief history of Crystallis. All right. Well, thank you, Chris, for what quite possibly could be our briefest brief history in the history <laughs> of histories. Yeah. SNK made a game, people, and they called it a game. There you go. And then we got shafted with the name Crystallis. They were like, I don't know what's in the game. And they're like, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crystal. And they're like, crystal is it, it is a crystal. <laughs> crystal is. There you go. All right. Fucking ship it. They got dude. God Slayer Sonata of the Distant Heavens is the most Badass. metal fucking name. Like, what? Why did we get Crystallis? You know what? I don't even give a shit about the rest of this episode. I'm just, <laughs> I'm salty about that now. That should be a metal band. Sonata of the Distant Heavens. That would, I mean, yes. That's an album. That, That's an album. I say, that is absolutely an album title. Yes. Oh, you messed up, SNK. You got to write this wrong. <laughs> you got to change it. You done goofed. <laughs> That's all you do in RPGs is you kill God and you were the first one to say, yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we can. It's not even really what you do. Not to jump ahead, but <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Weird. That is, yeah. Funny how that worked out. It's dawning on me now. <laughs> hey, this is a JRPG. What do we call it? God Slayers. Oh, so you kill God. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like vampire survivors. They've just included that in their marketing materials now where they're just like vampire survivors. There are zero vampires. Like, okay, great. Good on you. In Japanese naming convention tradition, take two words that sound cool together that you that you don't really have any meaning to and just ride with it. I love it. I fucking love it. Oh, so we're going to talk about a personal attachment to this game. And I have a feeling Ashton has the most amongst the three of us. So we'll put you at the tail end of this segment. So to begin this out, hey, Shane, how about you hey. tell us your personal attachment and experience with Crystallis? Man, I ain't got shit. Mm -hmm. Sweet. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I, I don't I, I have nothing good to share. Like, I did not even know this game existed until we started talking about it when, when it came up uh, for our patron poll, I believe is how this came up. Right. Yes. Yep. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, yeah, I was like, huh, Crystallis. That sounds interesting. I don't know what that is. And then I found out it's like basically one of, if not the first, like true action RPGs. So I was like, huh, that sounds like it's right up my alley. And then I played it. But we'll talk about that more <laughs> in a little bit. Oh. oh, no. Oh, no. But anyway, yeah, I dude. Although, to be fair, if I had known about this when I was younger and I actually still like had an NES this actually probably would have been like one of my favorite games at that time. Like on God, no cap for real, for real, or whatever the kids say. Mm. That's the thesis. That's a what? I think I combined a couple there. I don't know. I heard somebody at work say it once. Oh yeah. The T I, I, I done spilled it. Yes. God damn it. We're so Uh, old. Anyway, go, go on. Hello children. (laughs) Well, we are using (laughs) Bill Clinton references. (laughs) (laughs) He's relevant, right? (laughs) Let's get to know what that is. So my personal experience is somewhat similar to Shane, except I ended up getting this game. I would say probably about five to six years ago for the NES. And I have played a little bit prior to this, but like only about 30 to 40 minutes. I didn't really make it far, but I thoroughly enjoyed everything I had played and then that time frame. And I saw what it was trying to do. And I'll kind of get to that when we touch into gameplay and, and overall. But in terms of personal experience, like I've never really sat down with this game until recently, but I have heard a lot about it. and I. I have heard from people who played it. I mean, kind of like Demon's Crest that like I didn't know anyone who played it, but everyone who had said it was like really, really good. But when you consider how and I meant this is why I brought it in the brief history about how much it costs in the collector scene. It wasn't very much to get for a long time. I don't know what it costs anymore because I haven't looked that up in a while. But if it's a relatively inexpensive game, this game must have sold well. So a lot of people must have played it. So when you consider that it's legacy of being a really good action RPG on the NES. I, I think that, you know, for its time in, in, in 1990, when people played this, I think that really holds some water that people picked up this game. They played it and they, they found it to be a really real fun time. And I, and like I said, we're, we're going to talk more about this later, but I agree with Shane. I think if I had played this back in 1990 and I had this on my NES and I was playing it, even though I was five, I probably would have grown up with a lot of fondness for it. I think that's the best segue I can do to kick it over to Ashton and his own personal experiences. So what do you have for us, Ashton? Yeah, I own this game as a kid. Lately, I've been trying to recall my earliest memories of gaming and picking up games, running games, all that. But I'm finding that uh, that is not stored anywhere up in the old memory bank. Um, <laughs> so I have no idea how... We had a copy of this game, but we definitely did. Before we owned a copy, which was probably a hand-me-down, I had a memory of seeing this game at a rental place, and they would put out all the boxes on shelves, and they had these little, like, tags that were on hooks that you brought up to get the cartridge. And so we would, every Saturday morning, go and rent a video game because the place was closed on Sunday, so you got, like, an extra day. You only had to pay one day, turn it on Monday. Mm. Gaming the system. Yeah. And so we would go, we'd probably spend as much time just looking at all the games, all the covers, reading the back, just as much time picking a game as renting a game. And the memory I have is that we were pretty little and my dad would say, 
okay, do you need to know how to read to play this game? Because <laughs> apparently we would play like Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior and, you know, games that are pretty heavily text important to know what to do and where to go. And we'd be like, Dad, Bob, can you read this for us? <laughs> how do you spell my name to put it in for the character? <laughs> that kind of shit. But this is definitely the game I have that vivid memory of him asking, do you need to know how to read to play this game? And I'm pretty sure we always just said no, whether you had to or not, just so we could play the game. Mm -hmm. That was my earliest memory. That might be one of my earliest memories, actually. Oh, wait, your dad was asking you? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought I thought the way you framed that, I thought they were asking like the clerk at the store. And I was like, Uh, I guess that that makes more sense. But he was just asking, yeah, of course, you're going to lie. You're five. You're just like. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, Dad. We totally beat this game last week, and you totally don't need to know how to read. Yeah, no, it's, there's no text at all. <laughs> yeah, so apparently that was something we annoyed our parents with, which I relate to now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the joke I had for a while was that I've been playing this game longer than I've known how to read, which I don't know how much that's saying really. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I have a lot of fond memories playing this game. I have a twin brother, so we often played games at the same time and would take turns on single player stuff and we definitely put a lot of hours into crystalis i'm probably gonna say crystalis that's how i always said it i think they're both right i don't think it matters yeah no no knows how just say it the way you want to uh, excuse me absolutely defined. actually as i push my glasses up on my face you can't see it the, ofi- <laughs> the official commercial in north america pronounces it crystalis mm fine <laughs> butterflies in there and stuff yeah i can play butterflies as I. in the sky yeah <laughs> i like that we both went to that <laughs> ah lavar burton flexing on a butterfly anyway so yeah we played a lot of the i don't know i'd call them classics final fantasy a lot of mega man dragon warrior dragon quest yeah all these games you definitely needed to know how to read but we either would watch other people play and just you know, try to go the same direction they went or whatever. But we would uh, we play this game a lot. And I remember there somebody had a save on our cartridge that was like pretty deep into the game, like to the pyramid toward the end. And we would load it up mm. and they had like all the spells. We'd be like, oh, my God, I got all the swords. I got all the bracelets. <laughs> I can fly around. We were just like barely jumping through those swamps and shit. Uh, but yeah, we never got very far. But I still I think just the music in the first zone was enough to like pump us up every time we played oh yeah gotta get to level three so we can actually fight the boss <laughs> so those are mm, fond memories i have of crystal crystallysis crystallysis i like that crystal is pepsi pepsi crystal crystal pepsi again with these references. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why we're doing this we're awful <laughs> so ashton you're your story about how you grew up with Crystallis is something that I think a lot of us can relate to for a specific game. So, I mean, that's something that I think all of us, even listeners, like you have that game that you played when you were really young and you you have those fond memories of playing it. And sometimes those games might not necessarily be good. Sometimes they're great, but some games are just that way for you. And because you had such a great story, I think that's appropriately the time that we can segue into what we think of this game's plot and writing. Holy shit. That was such a reach for that. Oh, no. I was sitting here being like, 
where's he going with this? Where's he going? <laughs> I got you, Chris. So we finally tied it. I was like, I know this segue is coming. God damn it. Where is it? <laughs> I did it. I did it. All right. Stop it. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> We're here. All now. right. Story and plot. Great. I'll start this one off. I'll say this. The plot itself, I think, is somewhat it's somewhat different than what you normally get out of most action RPGs. If not, if you read the manual, like if you really look at what's supposedly going on, because the manual kind of gets it wrong from the original source material and the game kind of touches more on this on the source material. You're not like this youthful hero that was chosen by prophecy to save the world. No, you're a scientist that just gets awoken because like the world ended and there's this tower. And if the tower activates, you're supposed to go and, you know, deal with how the tower activates or something. I didn't really get into that. But essentially, you're Gordon Freeman running around in a post-apocalyptic world, killing mutants and shit. And I think that's pretty that's that's pretty cool. And even when you look at the writing itself, a lot of it's pretty cheeky. Like there's some funny writing here that you didn't see in an NES game of that time. I think people will look back at this and if they haven't really played a lot of other NES games, just think, okay, this is there's some pretty bad translation errors or spelling errors, whatever the case might be. And there are. but. I think if you look at like a game in 1990 and all the other games that are coming out at that time, like this game can is, is pretty self-aware and you can tell the translators had a bit of fun in certain situations. So I think the writing is good. I think you know the way they tell the plot isn't fantastic, but I think it's better than what you would normally get. And I just think the, the overall concept of what's going on, essentially a fallout scientist coming from the vault in order to save the world. And and just because like you just programmed yourself to do this and like, yeah, well, it's time to do it. I think that's a little bit different than what you'd normally expect and get. And I appreciate it for that fact. What do you think, Ashton? Yeah, well, now that I'm a little bit older and I learned how to read, I was able to mm-hmm. appreciate the story a little bit more this go around. <laughs> Thinking back on it, just kind of playing games for game's sake and never really caring a whole lot about story and stuff when I was six or seven. I think one of the interesting things is its blend of the sci-fi and fantasy sort of medieval style that it has. Yeah. And if you're not really aware of the story, that sci-fi stuff gets kind of even uh, lessened in your mind. But now realizing that like, oh, okay, cool. He was part of the science team. He got froze. He came to save everybody. Uh, It actually, (laughs) you know, now in the future, sounds a lot like Breath of the Wild. Like, it's the exact same plot line. <laughs> oh, he was asleep yeah. for a hundred years. Holy shit, you're right. Yeah. There's no way I could probably draw a direct line. <laughs> SNK's <this>. lawyers furiously <laughs> making notes right now. Yeah. I don't think they have much of a leg to stand on considering that how much it borrows from Zelda, but <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, I actually was able to follow a little bit more. I felt weirdly, I, I was surprised, I guess, how much I started to get invested in these these mages that were sort of helping you out, they were sort of helping you train, get stronger, and then pass on some magic. And then you finally get them all together, and then, you know, tragedy strikes, and then you got to save them. There is a bit of the princess in the castle. You're sort of trying to save your friend, girlfriend, I don't know, co-worker. Fellow scientist. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, probably the best compliment is what you said, sort of the, at the time, different than what everybody else was doing. And maybe it was a safer time as the end of the nes's life to put out some games like that you know it's like well we want a game on this console 
got this kind of neat idea. Let's try it, you know, even because people have already played Link and Metroid and I don't know, Ninja Gaiden, Hide Lie, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's give them something a little different. Hide Lie, that's that's an interesting <laughs> choice to group with that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah, well, when um, Shane had mentioned one of the first action RPGs, I went down a rabbit hole last night trying to figure out, like, is this the first one? And that was one that came up a little bit. And I don't have any personal experience with that game, but I watched some gameplay and it looks pretty bad. Yeah, Highlight is the Dark Souls of Zelda games. <laughs> I think that's giving it too much credit, honestly. <laughs> so Shane, what did you think of the what did you think of this game's story and writing? Uh, you know, I actually like the plot. I also think it's hilarious that they thought 1997 was the far flung future. <laughs> yeah, seven years. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Not too far off. Right. But yeah, I mean, so uh, Ashton, you brought up a good point and it's something that I thought about too, which is if you either, if you didn't pay attention right to the, the intro, like cinematic such as it is, or read anything about the game at all. And you just like, if someone just like walked into the living room when you were playing this game on your NES or something, they'd have no clue that this was supposed to be some sort of like post-apocalyptic sci-fi kind of thing because it is there's so much of like that fantasy trope going on like Mm -hmm. everything just looks like a stock fantasy rpg which i mean it sounded like you kind of liked that blend which i i would too if it was more of a blend and i felt like it wasn't Mm -hmm. like i felt like this was just like Hey, we've got all these fantasy assets and let's just use those. <laughs> but then also like we've got this neat story about an apocalypse, I guess. Like the only thing really, at least for the better part of the first huge chunk of the game that really communicates anything sci-fi at all is literally just the beginning when you come out of a cryo chamber. Like other than that, <laughs> it's just like, ah, uh, yes, a quaint medieval village. And mm. so I mean, it's not really like a bad thing necessarily, and I'm not like trying to pick on it too much for that. It's just, I guess, I guess I would have liked more of that post-apocalypse sci-fi elements actually worked into more of the game itself, and and I guess more of the the story as you kind of progress. I felt like that kind of got lost somewhere along the way. But yeah, no, overall, I, I actually I do like you know the the general plot line. Um, it's nothing too crazy, but uh, I kind of dig it. And uh, and yeah, I think the writing overall is, is pretty, it's pretty solid. There wasn't too much that like really, really stood out to me. Like sometimes there are games that will totally catch me off guard with their dialogue and they'll just have like totally out of left field like jokes or something like that. And <laughs> I didn't get too much of that from this, but there really wasn't anything that was like noticeably awful either. Like I think it was it was competent. I feel like that's the best I could put for it. I just like I said, I wish there was I wish there was more of the sci-fi elements. Yeah, I would say like most of the like most of those jokes, I wouldn't say they're like really good jokes or particularly <laughs> notable, but I would say like most of the like levity that is provided in this game is from a character called Kens- Kensu mm-hmm. or when you go into uh, telepathy and you're talking to the four <laughs> heroes there, they they're not all the time completely serious. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's not something you would typically get from an action rpg on the nes era especially like a translation Mm -hmm. you might get that from like a star tropics but that was developed in north america so you're talking about something that was like made Mm -hmm. in japan brought over through a translation Mm -hmm. and there is some goofiness to it and and i can appreciate that but what you brought up 
with the blend of sci-fi and fantasy. I think Shane, I think you make a really good point where I don't think it really took advantage of the sci-fi facts. So I was thinking, yeah, it's not really a typical medieval town though. It's just a town. But then I realized like somewhere in the game, there was a castle and a queen. Right. And it's kind of like, I, why is this here? It should be more of like a, a town dictator thing or whatever. Like you had in typical tropish post-apocalyptic material at the time. I mean, yeah, like not, not everything has to be Mad Max, right? <laughs> like you can have, exactly. you can have your own take on whatever your post-apocalypse is. And like on some level, I, I kind of get it, right? Because if you really want to, all right, if you really want to fucking go down this rabbit hole, you, you could make the argument that, you know, something like uh near, for example, does something like this as well, where it is, post-apocalyptic for all intents and purposes but everything looks like quaint little medieval villages and whatnot because society basically had to start over right right horizon zero dawn or yeah or that that's also an excellent example i mean i will say they obviously did a much better job of blending in the sci-fi with fucking robot dinosaurs right (laughs) yeah so it's totally valid and that's the thing is like i don't begrudge the game for taking that approach of like well if humanity had to start over then ostensibly we would sort of end up going through these you know epochs again i guess and something would probably right. look pseudo medieval ish it's just that like after 100 years though well yeah okay yeah sure but i'm i'm just <laughs> saying like, i'm trying to give it some credit <laughs> but but like yes i i it just i don't know i see what they were probably trying to do it just it i don't know it got lost somewhere in there yeah, kind of a maybe low hanging fruit they missed that may have enhanced the story and the experience overall a little bit, but wasn't necessarily necessary to hold it all together. Right. It is kind of a hard, a hard jump from like medieval towns, oceans, pyramid deserts to flying technical wonder robot village. Yeah. In the yeah. Sky. But final, like, final fantasy did that too, to yeah, be fair. True, yeah. All right. So we're going to move into the gameplay. For this one, Ashton, I'll have you kick it off. Uh, what what overall did you think of how this game plays today? And uh, what do you think about it? Uh, this is the kind of game that the way I describe it is one of those like, oh, it works when you get used to it. Or after a while, it's not so bad. Felt like this for the Skyward Sword remake. <laughs> and uh, one that always comes to mind is, this is random, but Tomba on PS1. Mm, I always yeah. never had any trouble with it. I just got used to the sort of fluid motion and played it enough that I, you know, had had little trouble with the controls. This one's not even quite as bad, uh, especially if you're like us and you're familiar with the sort of um, things that you run into with retro games where hitbox is going to be kind of weird. Respawning and sprites are going to be a little hit or miss, literally (laughs) here and there. For me, that, that wasn't enough to take away from the experience or make it a bad game for me. I mean, obviously, it's hard to kind of imagine having never played this game and picking it up today. Don't worry, you don't have to imagine, Ashton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the menu's clunky. I don't know if it's any clunkier than like a Link to the Past, though. It's pretty similar. You got to go into you know the menu anytime you want to do anything. Uh, it's a little trickier in this one as it's like, mid-combat you got to switch which can be a pain in the ass mm-hmm. but in a way uh the way i kind of framed it this way is actually a bit more like strategic like not puzzle but like oh, okay so right now i'm fighting 
I could either keep my water sword on and hit most of the things and skip stuff, or I could switch between water and wind. It was almost a little bit like, okay, let's you get to a new area, let's figure out which of these swords work. What's my go-to weapon for this area? The Game Boy remake took that away, the Game Boy Color version. Mm-hmm. As I was playing through this time, there's only a couple times that that level gate kind of stopped me. You know, like you get to a boss and if you're not the right level, you can't do shit. Doesn't matter what sword you have. Mm -hmm. Or enemies. Not just not just bosses, enemies. Yeah, enemies, bosses. But that's kind of like the really crappy part because you can't go back at that point. Uh, You just got to die, basically. (laughs) Other than that, though, I don't know. I thought it ran fairly well, controlled pretty good. Again, if you know where you're like, if you get used to aiming all the projectiles from the charges. I found I used just a regular kind of melee more than I used to. Like I would oh wow, push a thing into a wall and just like spam the attack button would take it down pretty quick. If I could kind of, again, it was a bit of a positioning game, but I ended up doing that a lot. Kind of felt like I was taking them down faster. Didn't have to wait for the charge, that kind of thing. Um, hmm. One of the, the charge attack was, I always thought really cool. I don't know. I don't know what it is about that, but I like that. I like it in like Secret of Mana. Uh, I like it in this game. The thing I didn't like, though, is I'd always get the bracelet and be like, ooh, sweet, got the strongest one. But you can only do it like two times before you run out of MP. Yeah. yeah that always bugged me. Again, I don't know if this is a localization thing, um, but there's a lot of like items you can get that you have to either trial and error, figure out what they do, or sometimes they do nothing. Yeah. And they'll tell you nothing. So <laughs> it's a lot of trial and error. You know, some of those things are kind of assuaged nowadays when you can look it up. You know, just depending on sort of your preference of I like to play a game blind, figure it out myself, or I don't want to stress out too much and not enjoy my time playing. So I'll just shortcut it a little bit here and there so I know what these items do. Oh, hey, this game's a little bit easier when you can store your mana a lot easier. (laughs) I had no idea. Mm. I thought that the fruits of power made you more powerful, like to attack. (laughs) And I kept forgetting Mm. to use them anyway. Mm. And then like two thirds of the game, I was like, oh, they give you magic back. Oh. That would have been handy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So to this to like yesterday or day before is the first time I knew what some of these items did. Again, actually, little tidbit, the Game Boy Color version has a thing where if you go into like the pawn shop or whatever they call it, where you sell stuff, there's actually an appraise option and it tells you what the items do. Just kind of handy. That'd been awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Did you guys think this game was hard or challenging? Did it was it an old school hard or uh, once you get used to it it's pretty constant challenge what do you guys think Shane uh well to answer your question I it's it's hard depending on how you approach it I found so I uh, unlike you I I actually basically did literally nothing but charge attacks like I didn't Mm -hmm. I didn't use the melee like at all Mostly because I, I started trying to use it and immediately found out that, as you said, uh, the hitboxes are like maybe not the greatest or <laughs> the hit detection or, or, you know, a really sweet combination of both. And so what ended up happening more often than not was just me getting hit, trying to swing at things. Right. And, and also it doesn't help that like you actually your character actually moves pretty fast, which in most cases is a good thing. Like you, I, I would prefer my character to have more speed rather than just be plodding along. So in just about every other instance, I would that would be something I would praise it for. But in this particular case, <laughs> it's actually detrimental because yeah. you move so quickly. I found myself just face planting into monsters more often than not. And generally, even if you have 
the best like armor and shields and whatever available to you at the time monsters that you're going to be facing at your you know general area as far as progression is concerned still do like a pretty healthy amount of damage and so i just completely abandoned melee and just got tried to get good at uh charging up my projectile attacks uh which is compounded by yeah the fact that the the third charge when she gets the bracelets as you said burns your your mp so i also had to get really good at charging just enough to get to the second level charge so i'm going to tell you something that's going to annoy you that you didn't know this oh great go once for it you, <laughs> once you get the bracelet if you equipped your sword without the bracelet you can still charge up to the second one yeah, I found what that out near, the like, near the end of the game. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I found that out, like, latter half. Yep, I don't yep, know yep. how I ever figured that out, but I remembered it. When I, I just playing. assumed that it would work like yep. you would expect it to work, where you can only, it just goes back to one. If you nope. are wearing, using a ball or wearing a bracelet of a wrong element, it'll only let you charge to one. But yeah, if it's just the sword, which actually becomes nice later on, after you have some bracelets, when you need to swap which element you want to attack, can just put on the sword you don't have to do sword did it did it ball did it did it ball sword <laughs> like a lot of menu swapping oh yeah, yeah that would have been yeah. that would have been nice to know hmm yep. well then um cool well you know what <laughs> i just got really good at timing my charges i guess that's i think how i played at first too is only ever charge a deck oh uh, because the game do- well the game doesn't tell you that either it doesn't tell you shit Really? It's not very good at teaching you how to do stuff other than fail. And then you're like, how do I not fail? <laughs> They're like, it's like, yes. Well, like, okay, great. Do? Thank I you. Failed. Do the opposite of whatever you did. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. don't do that thing. That will be $3,000. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, anyway, getting back to my point is that like, I felt like the difficulty was entirely dependent on whether or not I was just focusing on projectiles or if I was trying to do melee. Cause as soon as I got into melee, I was just getting fucking destroyed. But like if I was basically treating it almost actually almost like a twin stick shooter in a way mm. where I was just running around avoiding enemies and then just aiming the projectile attacks from the charge up uh, mm. from the swords. Yeah, I did fine. Like I, I never really got hit yeah. much other than those asshole flying enemies that home in on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually had kind of a, uh shmups is a too strong of a term but sometimes in the boss fights especially that's kind of what it felt like like yeah you dodge all the projectiles while you wait for a time to take your shot because most of the bosses you can't melee right i had never thought that before but this time i was like eh, a little uh, shmups feeling in there oh yeah yeah and so i mean as far as the gameplay goes i i really wish that and and i will probably i'm gonna get to this at the end again once we kind of wrap things up but something that chris mentioned was i I really do wish that the nes had like at least one extra button maybe like anything just because and and maybe it sounds like the game boy version might have actually fixed this so who knows maybe i would have liked that version better i don't know but there are a lot of good ideas here there there really is or really are i should say and I, I wanted to like everything that this game was doing from from a gameplay perspective. And by all rights, I should. It's it's an action RPG. So that's already like basically my fucking thing. If you listen to the show at all, you know that, you know, Diablo and everything that tries to be Diablo is 
basically my favorite thing ever for the most part. So right. like this really ought to be something that I'm like, hell yeah, let's let's do this. And at the beginning, I actually was. Now, in the sake of like full transparency, I did not finish this. And it was because I just I just didn't want to like I couldn't mm. bring myself to do it, mm. which is kind of a bummer. I, I got the the fire sword and the fire bracelet and then got to basically I got to the next area after Mount Saber. So if that gives you any idea of how far I actually got into it, but I got to the point where uh, the platinum armor and the platinum shield were available in the store. And I was like, okay, well actually that was the, the town with the castle and the princess or whatever the queen. And so at that point I was like, well, clearly I should probably just go grind for a bit and farm up some cash to just get that armor now and just get that out of the way. That seems like the smart choice. I still think it was probably the smart choice, like logically, but also that was the thing that ended up just killing this for me because going out and farming those enemies is not fun. And I think that's actually where this breaks down because with, with ARPGs, you basically live or die by your gameplay. If you do not have a satisfying gameplay loop and gameplay experience, then everything falls apart. The best plot in the world is not going to keep a good, uh, keep an action RPG together. If the gameplay isn't fun. Correct. Yeah. And to me, I didn't find the combat fun. It just felt actually kind of aggravating most of the Mm. time, especially because it felt like I had to kind of use the charge attacks all the time because they were just categorically better um, and safer, as I said before. So, Mm -hmm. It just ended up with me being like running around trying to charge up these attacks and aiming and then sometimes missing because an enemy decided to move at the last minute. (laughs) And then also that coupled with, like I said, this this flying thing coming around and literally homing in on you. So you have to dodge it. But also both of those enemies are only vulnerable to one type of sword. So like you have to be swapping between the two to clear that flying fucker out of the way which necessitates you going into the menu and then selecting the sword and well, the, the appropriate bracelet, if I guess if I had known better, but, and so it's just, all of it was just like tedious, I guess at that point. Hmm. And it kind of just fell apart for me at there. And I was just like, you know what? I'm, I think I'm good, which is a shame because I think this game has, has really good bones. Like I think there's a lot of good stuff here, but I, I felt like the gameplay is actually the the thing that holds Crystallis back from being something that like I really, really could have enjoyed. Hmm. Quick anecdote. I think that's the exact point when I was younger that I would get to and not be able to get past like almost exactly somewhere in there, like trying to find the lamp or something. Mm-hmm. Usually before the water sword, maybe sometimes I get the water sword. That area is a bit of a drag. I remembered that as I was playing it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is like after that, it almost felt like a new game to me because I'd only played the end a few handful of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, oh, cool. This would be different. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to echo a lot of the things you said. I think all the complaints you said, Shane, are, are extremely valid. Um, but this game, yeah, it was I think it was extremely over a little bit over ambitious when you look at how it controls. And having an extra button or two like this game needed that. And, and for a couple reasons, just off the get, 
sometimes you would equip some special items, notably like when you have the bunny shoes that allow you to hop and you hop around until you can get past spikes or uh, swamps until you get flight. Uh, you can't use that and you can't have those equipped and you can't have your refresh spell equipped at the same time. Oh, my God. Yes. And that was a little that, that was irritating. And, and learning that was was a problem. So like if you had an extra button, that would be like, hey, use this to jump and use this to refresh. Like that would have been great. Or just having a button to swap your swords where it would just default to, you know, however you would probably equip to default them. There's a lot of ways that this game could have been improved. I think the the way I look at it is if I'm looking at this from a Nintendo's perspective, like an NES perspective, I could if I was playing this on any and on an actual NES, I think I would have had a lot better time too, because this game was designed around the NES controller and how you like how the buttons are positioned, and everything like that. I, I know that's kind of a lame ass excuse, but I, I do feel that way because <laughs> this isn't like, the Wii, Chris. It's not like you can just be like, well, it's a very specific well, control scheme. It's fucking two well, buttons. <laughs> well, because I was playing this on the SNK collection and the way the button layout on is, on, is on that is kind of weird on the SNK 40th collection. Well, that sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it was, it was a little off in, in terms of what button did what. Right. And yeah. I could be like, OK, if, if the buttons aligned in this way, I probably wouldn't be as annoyed and in going into the menu just because of how everything is positioned on a controller. I know that's it's a weird way to describe things. But in terms of like you say, everything is charged up. I actually agree with you a lot with the combat. And my my annoyance came from something else, which was there there were enemies that would give you status effects mm -hmm. that if you ran into would automatically give you these status effects. The only way to correct these status effects is if you remedied them. And for most of the game, you do not have a spell that can correct them. So if you get poisoned, you're going to be poisoned until you get back to town. So you can either teleport, by the way, which is awesome. That fast travel is great. I love the fact that this game has a fast travel. Yeah. Yeah, highly underrated, highly understated way back mm -hmm. then. Yeah, fast travel is great. But unless you have enough mana for teleport, you're pretty much stuck with your inventory that's limited uh, and you do get a spell that can fix it. But you have to go back to town and go to the end and hope you have enough gold to do that. And, you know, gold's not plentiful for a while. So you really have to manage your resources in a sense. But with all that being said, I didn't mind the charge combat because I knew that's what I would have to do after a while. Uh, just like Ashton, I love the fact that you can charge these these things up. And I think it's one of the first games I can even can think about. I'm not saying it's the first, obviously, but it's one of the games that I can think about from an action RPG perspective where your meter charges in order to do an attack. Now, yeah, it, it becomes a little cumbersome in the fact that, you know, you have to shoot your enemies at a distance. But knowing that you have to do that, I think that's the way the game was primarily designed to do is that like melee attacks are annoying for a specific reason. Like that's not the way this game wants you to play it. Even if you look at the bosses, all the bosses essentially have to be used with yeah. distance attacks, mm -hmm. with those charged attacks. So this game is trying to train you to be like, hey, you need to fight everything if you want to be successful with this method of attack. Now, if you don't like that, you're obviously not going to like this game. It's it's just it's a mechanic that's there that isn't overtly obvious, but it's like. Yeah, this is how you play this game. And well, to be honest, I didn't mind it. I, I did not mind it at all. Well, I didn't. OK, so here's the thing is like I, I didn't dislike that that mechanic. Like I actually I, I liked that well enough. Yeah, I think it was just how it was implemented, I think, is what really bothers me. Like the fact that if I had known right that you mm -hmm. could equip like just the sword once you got to that point and it would just automatically allow you to charge up to level two. That's I mean, it's a little maybe a little hyperbolic, but like that's kind of a game changer because 
I, right. I think I actually would have enjoyed it way more. Change it. <laughs> yeah. If I had known that, because in addition to, you know, the, the, the time it takes to charge up, which by the way, I actually do like how they did this, where if you're pressing down the, the attack button to charge and you start walking, the charge stops. But as soon as you stop walking, it starts going again. Like you don't have to repress the button. Like that's actually really great that it does that. I like that too. Yeah. And so, it allows you to basically be more strategic with that. But what ended up happening for me is combat kind of boiled down to like walking a little bit to allow it to charge and then purposefully trying to stop to stop it from charging so that it didn't overcharge and then burn Mm. mana. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it was trying to manage all that at once that got kind of tedious. And here's the thing. This doesn't even require a button. I thought about this while I was playing it. You know what I think if, if, and and it's a little less of an if, because I think you're right, Chris, I think this is what they intended, but let's just say if the intention was you should be attacking from a distance pretty much all the time, right? Like that's what the developers wanted you to do. Like the melee is there, but it sucks, right? Why not? Just make it so that when you obtained, and this would also actually solve some of the menuing problem too. When you obtain the upgrade, so you go like you upgrade to the ball, right? You find the ball, your sword just fucking shoots the next level automatically when you attack all the time. You don't have to charge it. And then when you get the bracelet, then your your level three just shoots out of your sword all the time. You don't have to charge it. Like it's just an upgrade path based on finding those items that as an action RPG would actually be way more fun because that is, that's a lot more like what Diablo and games like that would do later on where you gain these upgrades and now your attacks are just inherently better and you don't have to do anything else extra to do that. You're just better. And so like that one change would actually make this game like, in my opinion, anyway, like 10 times better, because then you don't have to worry about waiting for the thing to charge every single attack. You are just like, OK, now I know I, I found the bracelet. I am now more more powerful. I am stronger and I can shoot cooler shit out of my sword. And and that's it. I would actually counter that and say I wish it was more like the Final Fantasy Adventure uh, Secret of Mana system where it would charge automatically. OK. Fair. Sure. Or you mean like it's just like passively charges? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I could I could accept that, too. That'd be fine. I just think like if it's trying to be a fast paced action RPG, which it clearly is, then Mm -hmm. I just think having just that very clear, straight upgrade path of like, cool, your sword now shoots bigger things and you just press the button. Like, I think that would have been way more enjoyable from a gameplay perspective. So there is a Ash, you're about to say yeah, there is an item. It's kind of late game, but you eventually can find this item. The warrior ring. Yeah. The warrior ring. Yeah. So yeah. the warrior ring, it well, when you just melee, it shoots your first charge. You don't have to mm-hmm. charge yep. it at all. Right. Which this is the first time I ever got it. Um, <laughs> and so that's the first time I ever used this thing. I was like, whoa, this is a lot different. Now it really felt like a shooter where I was just like, especially you get like the thunder sword, the last sword you get, the first charge is pretty powerful and it shoots this like pretty wide thing. You're just going around shooting everything. Oh, the warrior, the warrior ring is a game changer. 
that makes the game oh my that that makes the game so much fun see that's why i think that should have just been the default from the beginning though i know i get you i get you like like hiding those items later in the game does hold it back like yeah it's like those excuses you always hear about games like yeah if you just give it like you play the game for half (laughs) of its length then you'll then then it starts getting good that's what makes it great like yeah that's that's actually kind of a shitty excuse but i actually think the progression it gets there and i'm i'm a I've noticed what I like in action RPGs after playing a bunch of East games this year is I like seeing characters develop and level up and grind and grow from where they are at the beginning to where they are at the end. And that progression is definitely there. So this is definitely a game for me. This is a game that I, I can appreciate and love. Mm. Now I will speak on another point that you mentioned that I actually found a little bit irritating was that you can get new weapons, not, not so much weapons. You can get new equipment. You can get new armor. You can get new shields. But it doesn't really make all that much of a difference when you get them at first. Mm. And like this game is more oriented around what level you are. Mm. So if you're at a higher level with the best equipment, yes, it will mitigate that damage or null it out. But for the most part, if I go to a town and I have one set of armor and I get the better set of armor. Uh, even defense wise, not just statistically, which that does happen. But if you just get like the better, it has, oh, this has like 10 more defense. You go out, you get hit by an enemy and you can barely tell there's a difference. <laughs> and yes, you're right. They do take off massive chunks and your refresh spell doesn't really last all that long if you constantly get hit. Right. So the name of the game for me is you just got to level up. You got to level up. You got to level up. I will, what I will say is like towards the latter half of the game, I think like the last I would say like the last eighth or so. I know that's a little specific. You can get to level 16, which is the highest level you can get in the game. Mm-hmm. And then once you're there and you don't have to worry about leveling up anymore, so you can just kind of bypass all the enemies and just go to the bosses, which is kind of cool, <laughs> which doesn't really speak much to the combat, I guess. <laughs> the best part of the combat is when you can skip it totally. <laughs> yes. The best part is when you can just avoid it. But like you even get to that point and I'll, I'll, to kind of backtrack this let's say this. It can be grindy if you're trying to afford all the best equipment, but I do think the game does a really good job of spacing out how much you need to grind in order to avoid those level gates uh, that we were speaking about earlier. I didn't really think the game was overly difficult at any point. It just became there. There are annoyances. Yes, but I never felt like the game was painfully difficult or old school difficult. It was just more about, hey, you need to be aware of how you're charging up your weapon, how many hits enemies take and how to position yourself. I know that's a lot, what I just said, <laughs> but I never felt like it became too encumbering as a, a as a game player, uh, as long as I knew how to manage my resources, which were in my inventory. So, yeah, that's that's that RPG aspect as well. Yeah. Now, I obviously it sounds like I had a better time than you did, but I, I didn't think it was over. It was that bad. No, I. I yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I didn't think the difficulty was that bad. Um, difficulty was not the problem. It was just like I said, for me, it was mechanics. It was the mechanics. Yeah. Yeah, if there had if that had been tweaked just a little bit, I actually think I would have enjoyed this way, way, way more. Hundred percent. So I got a question, and Mm. this might be a total divergent, but I think it's an interesting discussion, so I'm going to ask it. Sure, go for it. So, especially in this podcast, we're always talking about retro games. The accessibility of retro games is like ever increasing, ever changing. The question of, well, how did you play this? Is almost always a question on this podcast because mm. you have so many options. You could sit down with a CRT and a Nintendo and the old controller and play it as 
God intended when it came out <laughs> in 1990. Or you can play it on your Switch. It has save states. It has a rewind feature. You can have a wiki open on your browser to tell you what these obscure items do. Mm-hmm. The point that I'm getting at is I think I had a better time with this game playing it with like the way I can play it today. Like today I played it up. I played it on my switch. I carried it around with me. Uh, it has a couple of pretty convenient features. I try not to use the rewind feature. I feel like that's like really cheating, but <laughs> it is, <laughs> but I'm shameless though. Yeah. It almost nullifies that uh, status effect thing you're talking about. Cause that was annoying. It's like, fuck this. I'm not going back to town to get an antidote. <laughs> I'm just going to rewind it five seconds and then not walk into that guy. You know, if you really want, just read the walkthrough so you don't, it, you know, if, if I'm going to experience a frustration because I don't know where to go or I just, for whatever reason, can't figure it out. Uh, and I've put in some time and tried to figure it out and do it myself. I'll enjoy that experience of, Ooh, I figured it out. I'm so fucking smart. That feels good. What doesn't feel good is getting stuck and frustrated when the answer is, you know, on my desk, a couple of Googles away. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess maybe overly trying to defend the gameplay and the game itself in a way by saying like experiencing Crystalis using all the advantages and almost, you know, it's like you can almost customize your experience at this point. I mean, literally you can with ROM hacking and stuff. It's funny, I was looking through some of the Game Genie codes, just kind of curious, and some of the things that it changes or, or switches, some of, are, some of them are buffs and some make it more challenging. I was like, oh, that would be an interesting way to play this game if I didn't need to worry about MP at all or I leveled up a little faster or something like that. I'd be like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. So I guess, you know, that's not a great argument for like, is this a good game? And we'll definitely, you know, get into it later. Does it hold up? But that's just something I've been thinking about about lately a lot is how we are experiencing these games right now. The nostalgia obviously is a warm blanket as I'm playing Crystalis and remembering all the fun times I had. But I also got way farther than I did (laughs) when I was a kid because I have been playing video games 30 more years and I could look something up pretty quick if I was, you know, I was like, I want to get through this game. I'm having fun no matter what. So. I'm just going to look at where this fucking lamp is. Anyway, I wondered what you two thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think that's a good point. I, I will say, as I said, like I, I played it kind of mobile. Also, I had it, you know, on an emulator on my Steam Deck. I had access to all of that convenient stuff. Not not really the rewind, although I think maybe there is a rewind in RetroArch, but I never figured out how to use that. So whatever. But save states mm-hmm. are like crucial. I, I know some purists out there hate that shit. But you know what, like, especially with a lot of older games, especially 8-bit era, save states are a fucking godsend. And so, like, I definitely use them here, too. Not quite as often. I actually just kind of used it more as a regular save more than like, a oh, shit, like, I need to save right now or, you know, I'm going to hate myself later. Yeah. Because, like I said, the game overall wasn't super, super difficult. But no, it is nice. I mean, and to to Crystal's credit, like, it also allows you to save... I think as long as you're in a town, it's there's two areas, towns and something else. You can just go in the menu and just save. So that's not too bad. It's not like you have to find like a specific save point or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, modern conveniences definitely help the experience. I, I would argue that like I not by much in this game's case, but I probably still would have had a 
slightly more frustrating time with it if I had been playing it on original hardware just because you don't have some of those conveniences. I actually would pretty much echo everything you guys are saying. The rewind feature, I think Ashton made a really good point here. He said, I don't want to run into this enemy that just randomly like gives me poison. It's a pain in the ass because you have to go back and you have to buy these items in order to, you know, heal your character and then it can just happen again. Right. Pretty limited inventory <sighs> in a limited inventory. So when I see these things, it's kind of like, can can I just do I want to go back and keep doing this over and over and over again? Or do I want to rewind it or do I want to reload my safe state? And the answer to all this is kind of I'm going to rewind it a little bit. Yeah. And I played on the SNK 40th anniversary collection. I would recommend if you play this game, you play this on your switch or you play this on the 40th anniversary collection because it does have those 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 modern conveniences that you're not going to be able to have on the NES. And I think back on the NES, we had a lot more time and there's fewer games that you need to make your way through in order to play it. And as an adult and recommending it to assumably other adults listening to this. This isn't going to be your primary focus for other games because it is a retro game and a lot. Most other people are going to want to move on to the next thing or they have a bigger thing they're doing. So if you really want to experience this, yeah, play with rewind, play with safe states and enjoy the game the way that you want to enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, you know, if if you say it's cheating with rewind states, like who, who gives a shit? Just <laughs> if that's that's the way you want to play it. Fine. But you're not playing it the way it was intended. Just know that. But if it enhances your enjoyment, that's fine, too. But realize it was a different way that we play games back in 1990 as well. So you have to take that into consideration. So what I'm saying is, if you're playing it today, you have to. If you're not, well, I don't say you have to. You can play the game however you want to, but you probably should if you haven't played an NES game in a long time. But if overall, yeah, it's, it's the best way to play it on your Switch or on an emulator whatever the case might be, because it does have those it does have those inconveniences that we're not used to or conditioned to in today's video gaming scene, which admittedly overall is is easier than what it was in a 1990 situation, because they did have to make limitations that would keep you playing because what is it? Crystallis, if you just sit down and you play it from start to finish without any issues, it's going to be a three to four hour game. If that if that. If you're paying $60 for a video game in 1990, <laughs> what is that? Like $120, $130 yeah. today? Could you imagine paying three? Could you imagine paying $120 for a game that only you would spend uh, like three hours on today? You'd be furious. Absolutely furious. So it's, it's a different mentality. It's a different way we play it. But if, if you're playing it for free on the Switch Online service or as, as part of a compilation, yeah, take advantage of it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And, and one last thing before we move out of this category, because you brought it up a couple of times now with that poison thing. And it reminded me just, <laughs> you know, one more thing that irritated the shit out of me about this game, because why not? <laughs> so you're talking about how it's kind of a bummer that you just kind of like bump into certain enemies and it's just like you've been poisoned. And that does suck. You know what else also sucks? Bumping into those motherfucking townspeople all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay so this game for whatever reason doesn't have an interact button like you don't walk up to someone and press a button to talk to them you just if if your two hitboxes touch each other these people just speak at your face and so like when you're trying to get to like the shop or the inn 
and some asshole in town decides to like make a hard left in front of the indoor and you're trying to make a beeline and you just walk right into him and he's just like, oh, did you know about the mountains and Mount Saber and blah? And I, dude, I've heard you say this like six times. Get the fuck out of my way. That was just, that was so frustrating. I just wanted to point that out. It was, that's a bad design decision. (laughs) There was definitely a point this playthrough where an NPC moved in front of something. I was like, oh shit, I, I might be stuck. <laughs> like I might have to reload from wherever I was. Cause I cannot get out of here. He's just going to keep talking <laughs> to me. Yeah. I think that kind of wraps up our discussion about gameplay. Cause we've, we've been here for a minute. So let's move on to the presentation of this game. And we will start out with how this game looks from a graphical standpoint. I'll take this one to start off again, and I'll say it's it's good looking for an NES game. It's not the best looking. You can tell the color palette by this point. They're stretching out the color palette to the the most of its abilities. I don't actually think the design was done in the best way possible, if I'm being honest. But the sprites themselves, particularly like the boss sprites, look fantastic, I think. Not all of them, like, but the bigger ones. Yeah, I think when they get the bigger ones, they look good. Just the basic ones don't. Other than that, I think it looks relatively just slightly above average. I do like the fact that not all the backgrounds are black like a lot of other Nintendo games did. Specifically, like Konami did a lot of that was make those backgrounds like a solid black while focusing on the foreground. Uh, And this one tried to do a little bit more. So I would put it a tier below what like Capcom was doing uh, a little bit below what Konami was doing. But overall, for a third party developer of the era, I would say the graphics are fine. They're, They're pretty good. How about you, Ashton? Yeah, um, I'd probably give it a bit more praise. Playing through it again, you know, the last few weeks, uh, a couple of things stood out to me. The repetitiveness of the backgrounds. Like, I kind of always knew there was a lot of asset color swapping going on there. Uh, But this Mm -hmm. time, more than ever, it was kind of a hindrance for me because I was, like, really getting lost. Like, not even just while I was playing, but I would come back to the game and not even remember at what point I was at because all these caves look exactly the fucking same. Right. But I mean, a lot of it is in its defense, like it's uh, repetitive, but at least it looks pretty good. So at least they're (laughs) repeating things that, you know, have a good amount of detail on it, a good use of different colors. Um, Yeah, I always love the sprites of this game. I thought interesting that (laughs) the hero sprite, he like he has no shirt or armor or whatever at first. And then you put armor and it changes, but that's it. That's yeah, it's, it's the only time. time. I noticed that too. It's like, that was so cool. Again, yeah, it might have been one of those things where like they had planned to do more, but that's all the further they got. One of the funny things I realized, <laughs> I always looked at the first boss, the vampire. I always looked at it wrong. I always thought the like thing in front of him was a giant long nose, like a troll or something. And that not not a penis. (laughs) Well, I didn't think that. (laughs) And then I finally realized like, oh, no, his head's like the whole thing is at the top and it's like a cape or down or something like that. And for 20 plus years, I was looking at that wrong. Like I always thought it was just kind of like, like, you know, (laughs) gobliny kind of guy like. "Ah." So that's yeah, one of the things I mean, a lot of games. You know, that's a common criticism. It's like, especially if there's like a hand drawn rendering of it in the manual or something. And then you look at it in the game, you're like, that's supposed to be that. What do you guys think of the uh, box cover art? Oh, box covers. Blah. Yeah. Who cares? I don't like it. I don't like a lot of those box cover arts from the NES either. So 
Yeah, you can't take my word for just it. Just a minor point. I was looking at that. I'm like, well, this is actually fairly, you know, at least accurate representation. Like you can tell, oh, that's this monster yeah. in the game, and the dude runs around and pink clothes and a sword. Uh, I think the Japanese one's better, but that's just me. Right. Usually, I mean, it typically is. Yeah. But, so there's not much to say. Jane, what did you think of the graphics? Um, well, I was, I was, he's, you just brought that up. So I was like furiously Googling the box art because mm-hmm. obviously I don't oh, actually no, have a sorry. copy of this, but <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I actually like that. I think it's pretty cool. Like that's the thing is, um, it's actually something I miss. And I, I think we've brought this up before, but it, it, not to go off on too much of a pseudo related tangent or anything, but mm-hmm. I do really miss the finely detailed, like hand drawn artwork that a lot of games used to have for like their box art and stuff. It's, it's kind of a shame that now it's really just a bunch of like gritty brown haired white dudes with guns or whatever. But yeah. anyway, no, I think it's fine. I, I like the box art, but uh, as far as the game's graphics in game is are concerned, like, yeah, I really didn't have any issue. Like I, I actually really liked the fact that it's funny that you bring that up Ashton about like some of the things looking the same. I had that same problem specifically with the caves, actually, because there are pretty significant sections where you're trying to navigate these like caves. And it's also actually Mount Saber was a pain in the ass for that reason, because not only do all of the tunnels look the same, but like you're transitioning between inside the mountain and then outside the mountain several times. And it's very easy to like lose track of like where you actually are. And I think part of that does come down to. Uh, just the graphical presentation because everything does look very samey but at the same time i did appreciate that the i I guess the larger areas like the overworld areas i guess if you want to call it that were actually pretty distinct like the the swamp area had a lot of really great detail yeah that i did really like and so you kind of in that sense you kind of knew that like oh i'm i'm in a new area some of the like little sub zones like the caverns and stuff those i think suffered from you know that sort of just like oh just reuse the same tiles but the rocks are fucking blue now <laughs> so there's that but i mean you kind of do have to expect that i think to some degree with games like this yeah no i i actually kind of dug it i i did think it was kind of funny how they decided to create the uh the sprites for uh, a lot of the things, particularly the main character and a lot of the like NPCs and stuff, just with how SNK decided to portray walking <laughs> in the, it just it makes it look it makes you look really like goofy and jumping. Yeah. And, and the jumping. Yeah. But like the walking, because it's just like my feet, they get bigger. That's that means I'm walking. <laughs> but, that's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, overall, I, I thought it was pretty well represented um i guess technically this could have gone into gameplay but it does kind of have to do with graphics since it's the rendering of them i don't know i I wanted to ask both of you because you both played this in a different way than i did did you experience slowdowns when you were you specifically when you were using like the the third level charge of some of the weapons like as soon as you got more sprites on the screen like with the wind weapon, for example, when you uh, like unleash all of those whirlwinds, every time I did that, if there was like more than one enemy on the screen, it like dropped to a crawl. I didn't have that problem. Hmm. I did. Interesting. Like the SNK collection had no slowdown, like zero slowdown. I had it a couple times, but it was like there were a lot of shit going on. It was usually during boss fights, mm-hmm. especially if there were ads. 
and they were shooting out a bunch of stuff and I was shooting down stuff. Uh, in some cases it was like, okay, well this makes it easy. It's like slow-mo dance around all these fireballs or whatever. Well, that was like that swamp boss. Yeah. That swamp boss did that oh, to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause of like how many projectiles he shoots out that with like the ad also shooting more projectiles. It was just like, yeah, it slowed way down. I was just curious if that was an emulator issue or if that actually happens just because of how the game was like put together. That's legit. Oh, I wish I would have had a opinion on the original NES version because I wanted to play it, but I don't know how the battery is mm. and it has battery save. I wanted to see if I can get it replaced, but our, our local battery swapper was not in on the day. I wanted to start the game. I was like, I'll just get it started with something else. <laughs> so, uh, that, that's the route I took. So I don't know how it is on the original NES, but I could tell you whatever they did on the SNK uh, collection, because I saw like Ashton said that there was slowdown. You're saying there's slowdown. There was none of that on the 40th anniversary one. Hmm. Hmm. OK, interesting. So I guess we're going to move on to the game's music. Uh, Shade, we haven't had you start in a while. Hmm. So what did you think of the game's soundtrack and sound direction overall? I liked it. Like you, you get really short loops, right? Because I mean, that's what you're going to end up with, with NES. It's just the limitation. Um, so you can pretty easily tell when the background music is going to loop. And sometimes that's very irritating if it's a short <laughs> loop. This game, at least to me, did not really have that problem. I actually really enjoyed the music and I didn't care that it was a short loop because I thought it was really well done. So anything from like the in town theme to like the overworld uh, I thought they were very well put together. Like I, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, as far as the sound design goes, I is fine. I don't think there was really too much that stood out to me one way or the other. If I'm being perfectly honest, I think it did its job. Mm -hmm. Some games we talk about, you know, just really knock it out of the fucking park as far as like sound effects and stuff go. And this one, I thought it was it was fine. It it did what it needed to do. But I actually did really enjoy the. The soundtrack, though, I thought they did a pretty good job with that one. Yeah, I would say the soundtrack is is pretty good for the most part. I think it's a solid soundtrack. Actually, I don't want to say pretty good. It, it's good. I don't want to say it's very good because I do think there's a lot of NES soundtracks that are better. Mm -hmm. When I'm talking about like your, your Konami games, your Capcom games, even your Nintendo games. But I know when I talk about when I say those developer names, especially on the NES, we're talking about top tier. Yeah. We're talking about like no joke yeah. that's a very high bar crystallis in my opinion doesn't meet that bar but uh, you're not getting anything bad certainly like everything here is is good it's catchy as you said the loop gets irritating after a while specifically in the caves i found like as myself when i was in the caves i'd be just like i, I don't know if i like this music or not i wasn't sure mm. but as an overall effort uh when it comes to music sound presentation in general uh this is this is like a, a a B plus to A tier effort. It's not quite that S tier that the aforementioned developers were doing, but it's certainly it's up there. You could tell there's quality that is part of it, but like it's it's not quite at the heights that I I think a lot of I've heard, and I've seen a lot of people praise the soundtrack. I don't think it's quite at the the, the top, tippy top of the NES mountain, but it's it's certainly right below the summit. Now, what did you think, Ashton? Uh, this might be one of my favorite soundtracks of all time in video games. Boom. Uh, <laughs> so I would say it's sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, so always try to step back and take a bit more of a um, objective view of these things. It kind of 
uh, it peaks early. A lot of the best tracks you hear right away, which, hey, why not? True. Yes. And it definitely has both in the soundtrack and in the sound design, a couple of stinkers and they are pretty bad. <laughs> and so and made worse by the fact that it's such a short loop. And if you get mm. stuck there, you, that will drive you nuts. And the same with a couple of sounds. Most of the sounds are really cool. And they, I like the sound of the magic. Um, charging sounds good. But just a couple of things here and there, like actually getting hit isn't one of my favorite. But there were just a couple of sound effects. I was like, ooh, I don't want that to happen again because that was a bad sound. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. But overall, I mean, maybe just that overworld music is so good for me. Like one of my favorite songs on the NES that it just sort of holds up the rest of the soundtrack in my mind. As I was saying, I got further like the whole way through this time. And so I actually got to hear more of the soundtrack than I usually do. It might be one of my favorite parts of the game. Like one of the reasons I can forgive a lot of things is that soundtrack. When I'm grinding or, you know, getting stuck in a place, I don't mind it as much if at least if you would like pause a game, just listen to it. To me, like that's a really good soundtrack. Yeah. Should the best part of a video game be the soundtrack? Maybe not, but (laughs) (laughs) that definitely doesn't doesn't hurt. hurt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I've always liked it. I've talked a little bit about the Game Boy Color here and there, the remake up till now. But this is my absolute number one biggest gripe with it and why it just needs thrown in the garbage and is an atrocity. (laughs) They changed the soundtrack in the Game Boy Color, which whatever that happens, but it is really bad. Like they took some of the best tracks and replaced it with horseshit, like this goofy, bubbly, short thing. And I've been like thinking, like, why in the hell would they do this? You know, there's you know, lots of reasons I could think of. I don't I don't think the actual reasons out there, but, you know, it could have been licensing, could have been hardware limitations because you're gone from the NES to the Game Boy. But uh, it's just it made it. I wanted to play the Game Boy Color version for this podcast because I hadn't played it. And I was curious what they changed and what they added and if it was any better. But I couldn't play it like <laughs> as far as I got, I had the music off. Like it was so bad and I was so mad about uh. it. And it's, I'll get to this more, but it did do some things gameplay wise that were kind of interesting or, or better. But that soundtrack is so bad that that fact alone just takes that version of like, which version should you play? It takes the Game Boy Color right off the table. Ugh. Yeah, I, I will say, should the soundtrack be the best part of a video game? And you're right. It probably shouldn't be. But it also should not be the worst part of the video <laughs> yes. game because a bad soundtrack can ruin a game. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. So I guess we're going to go to the miscellaneous section. And Ashton, this is this game. It sounds like this is your baby. This is this is your nostalgia button. So I will have you take some miscellaneous fun facts about Crystallis and present them to our listeners. Um, so, yeah, you said you had the 40th anniversary collection. Apparently it has this watch feature where you can select a game and just like watch a playthrough on your system. I didn't know you could actually st- oh, okay continue because I'm reading the notes. I'm reading ahead and I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. Part. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, at first I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. If you it's like I've literally done this, like I'd rather sometimes just watch a long play with no commentary than watch somebody like stream a game, especially like if I love the soundtrack. But apparently when I was reading this article using the watch feature, you can like pick up at any point and start playing. What? Like as if someone saved state every step you took. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's why I, had, I was hoping that you had maybe tried it 
to kind of verify it. But well, I saw the I saw the watch feature, but I was like, I don't I want to play it. I don't want to watch it. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Not that I would take advantage of, but that's cool as fuck. Right. That's so awesome. But it would be cool for a lot of reasons. Like if I wanted to go to a point, I'd play the beginning of this game a thousand times. I want to skip that. I could. I think you can like, you know, scrub through the video to the point you want to play and then start playing. That's awesome. I mean, that's for every game in that collection, I believe. Uh, There's a couple of like references or homages to other SNK games, Kensu and Asina, which I believe is pretty much the same katakana for Athena. Um, what was it? Psycho Soldier? Hmm. I think it's also the game Athena. Yeah, in the game Athena. You're right. So yeah, I believe they also appear in the, the King of Fighters series. And I actually saw this on a YouTube video that I watched. Uh, the channel's called Game vs. Game. And it was kind of cool because it was exactly what I was looking for, which he took the NES version and compared it to the changes in the Game Boy Color version. So it was perfect clip notes for wondering what that was all about. Uh, he also it's like if you want to see what I'm talking about, about the difference of the music, you can watch that video. The last thing I had was so there's some sources that say, well, you can find on the Internet magazine articles that have from SNK that talked about making a sequel to the game or that they'd started making a sequel for the Neo Geo. There's about one sentence in a paragraph in a magazine, and that's it. <laughs> Never came up again, <laughs> at least officially. So anyway, that was a sad thing to learn. Well, they couldn't put it on an arcade cabinet, so. Right. All right. So we're going to move on to whether or not this game holds up today. Me and Shane will go first, and then we'll let our guest close this out. So based on what we've been speaking about this game today, I think we're going to have a nice sandwich with a nice piece of not quite molded bread, the moldy meat, and then the the, the smiley-faced, nice soft bread at the bottom, which should be Ashton. <laughs> But that's my prediction, and we'll see how this overall ends up going. So to kick this off, do I think that this game holds up today? And I would have to say yes, but barely. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of conventional things that this game could do better, but I always have to keep in the back of my mind. This is a controller with a D-pad, two main buttons, A and B, and a start and a select button probably could not have been done better with all the limitations that was put upon it. Now, that's more on the developer. They should have known these limitations. They should have built these limitations around the controller instead of trying to just squeeze everything in. It's overly ambitious. If there's anything that this game tells me on an overall sense, it's that this this game needs a remake or just a, a reconfiguration on slightly superior hardware. I don't need a complete overhaul like what you would expect maybe just some upgraded sprites on the super nintendo like super nintendo style and just assign the buttons to do more things you don't need much here to make this game really fun but i can acknowledge this game has problems that's going to dissuade a lot of modern gamers from from playing it more than halfway through as shane said and it's it's going to be hard to go back to but if you can power through and you can recognize where its strengths are and you do a little reading i think you're going to have a lot of fun with this game Uh, But it's going to take time. And if it takes time, then a lot of people don't have that. And even when you're done with it, it's not going to probably be something you're going to tell all your friends about. So that's why I say barely. But it does need a remake. I will say that. And uh, if you are interested in it, if you are interested in action RPGs, you want to go back. This is still probably one of the best action RPGs on the NES. I certainly had a lot of fun with it. I have a lot more fun with it than I do the original Zelda. 
And from a pure combat standpoint, I think I had more fun with it than A Link to the Past. In other words, let me say this. I don't think it's better than A Link to the Past, like, at all. It's not even close. But my, my own personal preferences and how I play video games, I think it is a more fun experience. But it takes time to get there. And that's where I'll leave it. Shane, how do you think this game holds up? You know, contrary to your um, assumption about moldy lunch meat or whatever, I, I, <laughs> I actually agree with you pretty much on almost every point. Mm-hmm. Do I think that this holds up today? Uh, I, yeah, it, it, it does, but just barely. And I know I'm basically saying what you just said, but I really can't. I can't think of another way to put it, honestly. Like, it, it, you're right. Like, you, you kind of already nailed it. Like, here's the thing. Like I said earlier in the episode, this game has got a lot of good bones. It has it's it's got what it takes. It's there. It's just the execution for me just wasn't quite what it needed to be. And granted, I think a lot of that is just because of the time that it came out, the limitations of the hardware that it came out on. And, you know, some of those like more standardized game design decisions that we kind of take for granted now were not things that were standardized back then. You know, people are still trying to figure this shit out. So I have to give them some leeway there for sure. But I will 100% echo the sentiment that this game needs a remake. It is crying for a remake. Like, stop remaking the fucking Last of Us. Like, who (laughs) even wants that? Like, just, it was... But from the ground up, Shane. It fucking came out, like, what, 10 years ago? Maybe? Like which version? Yeah, exactly. That's my point. Like, what the hell? Stop remastering games for another $60, you fucks, and just actually remake something that deserves it. This game deserves it because I I think leaving this game to languish is doing it a disservice because it is so it is so close to being really, really good. And if it just had a couple of quality life, quality of life improvements. Um, a little bit of tweaking to the game mechanics. I actually think that this would be fantastic and it would be something that a lot of people would enjoy. Now, as it is right now, it's a tougher sell. It is. Um, but I do agree that I think as far as the NES is concerned, it is absolutely one of the better experiences, particularly with the sort of pseudo action RPG stuff. I do agree that it's definitely better than the original Legend of Zelda. I don't care. You Zelda fans can fight me if you want, but I think this is a more enjoyable experience. Um, it's certainly more engaging, I think. And I think the mechanics, as much as I kind of griped about them, I still think are actually overall better. So, yeah, it, it holds up as long as you go into it knowing that you really ought to prepare yourself first like go go look up some things about what the items do you know not necessarily you don't really need to use like a full-blown walkthrough to get everything out of this game like i i only had to look up something once and that was that thing where i didn't realize i had to use the fucking jump boots but i couldn't do it while i had a spell equipped i got stuck on that for like 20 minutes but I mean, other than that, it's really just knowing the the function of the items because they don't do a great job of telling you that and just doing a little bit of prep work, then I think you're going to still have a pretty good time. And like you said, it's not a huge time investment either, but 
this this absolutely needs like a, a, a remake and you know what bonus if they do the uh what was it the, the trials of mana like treatment yeah. to it and give it like you know a, a nice new coat of paint too like that'd be kind of neat but even if they didn't do that um I, there's so little that needs to be done to this game to really like kick it up to that next notch that it just really sucks that nobody's done that yet uh, yeah agree ashton yeah i was a little worried that i was gonna say it doesn't hold up leading up to the podcast but as i wrapped it up over the last couple of days and have been thinking a lot about it researching it and just nerding out about it i i think it does it is kind of a tough thing because kind of to the point i was making earlier about all our options today that almost always asterisk any answer for this category not to like you know nullify it or whatever but <laughs> if you're a person who enjoys playing on original hardware having the original experience you're definitely going to get an experience uh, with this game <laughs> and it will be true to form as to what it was in 1990 I think there's a definitely enough options and enough ways to uh, keep the good and, um, you know, band-aid a little bit some of the hindrances of the time. Or if they weren't trying to extend the gameplay by having kind of annoying mechanics as opposed to more content, but they couldn't put more content because they're limited by the space of the hardware, etc. You know, that limit kind of led them to a different maybe game design. I'm assuming a lot here, but this is just the way I look at it. Anyway, my point is that similarly, yeah, it holds up kind of not even barely, but I think it holds up, but I think you could really enjoy it and it'd be a more solid hold up if you tailor it to the kind of experience that you enjoy. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help it in its favor by saying like <laughs> doing some of the shortcuts lessens the time that I got to play it. <laughs> Maybe that's <laughs> telling, but it circumvents some of the stuff that is unenjoyable and leaves sort of enhances the flavor of the good stuff for me mm. so yeah that's i would definitely recommend either switch or it sounds like the snk collection is really good what i would like to see uh definitely a remake that'd be awesome but i'd also even take if somebody i think this is possible uh <laughs> would do some kind of rom hacking to sort of take maybe the uh script and well Mostly just the script, <laughs> a few <laughs> graphics, and a little bit of the gameplay from the Game Boy Color, and then mix it with the NES version. I think you would have this kind of like definitive version, as silly as that might sound. So yeah, that's my long-winded answer to say that I think it holds up, even if I'm trying to not wear any kind of goggles of nostalgia or whatever. But yes, also, I loved it when I was a kid. It's the kind of game I enjoy anyway. And even some of the parts that are annoying for some people, I don't mind as much. So for me, easy sell for others just depends on your preferences. All right. Well, I suppose that brings us to a close as far as our Crystallis discussion is concerned. So SNK, you, you heard us. Please <laughs> get on that soon. Do it now. We'll pay you <laughs> $20 and not anymore because I feel like that's fair for a remaster. And that's <laughs> apparently that's the hill I'm going to die on. I don't know. Anyway, um, so yeah. Ashton, appreciate you joining us on the show again today. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, I was looking forward to it. Well, I guess we usually ask folks this, so I'll ask you too. Uh, is there uh, is there anything that you'd like to to plug out there? Uh, no, not currently. Not much else going on besides helping out Retro Hangover. Ah, 
That's a good plug. I like pretty that. Much, <laughs> pretty much anything y'all mention is things I would also echo and encourage people to do. Join us on the Discord. You know, we keep it interesting, not just fighting about which Final Fantasy is the best, but <laughs> have, we do that our, all the time, though. Yeah, having our little uh, arcade high score challenges and now this newer RHP review crew. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. And <laughs> it just, it's kind of what I think a lot, it's a big part of this community where it's cool to replay old games, but it's also cool to experience games you never played. And, you know, hear these stories about why people like them and be able to draw lines from certain games to see where they got inspiration or just how a genre has evolved over time. Uh, I think that's something cool that this little uh, game book club thing's doing because uh, there's games I haven't played. So it's kind of cool to, you know, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. For sure. Well, I, I also I appreciate expect that. to sell it that hard, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, well, I appreciate that Ashton is doing part of my pitch for me. This is nice. I, I usually have to do all of it myself. So thank you. But he is right, though. The discord is a, a pretty, pretty poppin place. So um, definitely get in there and join the community if you have not done so already, because uh, we have a good time. As of the time of this recording, the uh, latest, or at least it looks like, I think it's going to be the latest. I don't know if it's closed quite yet, the the poll, such as it is. I think our high score challenge for this month is going to be Geometry Roars, Retro Evolved. So get in on that action. Interestingly, that was actually one that I never got a chance to play back in the day, even though apparently everyone and their mother did on 360 at the time. So, you know, much like Ashton was saying, it's a good opportunity to experience stuff that you, uh, didn't get to before and also find out that sometimes steam is really shit at uh curating their stuff and they're still selling games that are just actually broken so what i'm saying is don't buy geometry wars on steam because it's fucking broken oh no but anyway that has nothing to do with the discord because our discord's not broken um so get in and get in on that and you know you can find that as well as the the patreon and the merch store if you'd like to support the show that way another quick shout out to the patreon because you know you can get in on that king of games 92 action early um which you should because it's good stuff plus you know if you just want to get real salty about our decisions before everybody else then you know there's your opportunity because let me tell you some some decisions were made. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, get in on that. Great action. decisions. The best decisions. Believe me. Yeah. And also this episode was a Patreon poll, right? So it was. Yes. The reason that we were playing, we played this game was it was suggested by patrons and then voted on. Absolutely. So you can also. We did not hype that up enough. Decide. Yeah, that's true. You can decide the course of retro hangover, at least in very specific quarterly chunks because we need to keep a control on you crazy people. But yeah, so get in on that stuff too. And all of that can be found at the link tree because we're the cool kids that also have a link tree. Everybody's got a link tree. So head on over to link tree slash retro hangover and you can get your finely curated menu of buttons and get all that stuff. It's all there. I don't know. Chris, speaking of stuff is there. You want, you want to tell the people about us playing games marginally okay on Twitch? Yeah, if you head to twitch.tv slash retro hangover, you can watch us play games at Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. Mm. That's twitch.tv slash retro hangover. Join our wonderful community as we talk about games or just general stuff 
Uh, we have some people that show up and ask cool trivia questions about what we'd rather do. I love answering those. Those are a good time. But once again, for the last time, twitch.tv slash retro hangover at 9 p.m. on Sundays for our Sunday streams. And we'd love to have you there. Great community. Great people. There you go. Yes. And we apparently won't be playing Crystallis because Ashton wants to hear the music and he doesn't like to watch people stream it. So there you go. <laughs> I'd watch you stream it. <laughs> well, I suppose with all of that out of the way, until next time. Play with your this reviews a lot longer than the CGR undertow one joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you or jump in head first with full 12 ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.